there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, top of the day to you. It is Wolfgang Klein, your host of Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money, keeping more money, and making your money grow. Uh, friends, um, it's a very, very important topic. It's a topic I'm very, very concerned about for so many Canadians. Again, uh, you know, Jack and I, we deal with the affluent, uh, but we're here for the people. I can't stress that point enough. If you have any financial questions whatsoever, no, how, no matter how big or small, you can always contact us. We're happy to uh, give you our best professional opinion, and that may not even cost you anything. Uh, but what concerns me is the number of Canadians who are $200 away from filing financial insolvency every month has climbed to 48%, up from 46%, uh, a sign, of course, of deteriorating financial stability for many people in Canada, according to a new, uh, again, with Ipsos Reid poll uh, that was conducted serving some 2,000 Canadians online in the month of March. Jack, $200 away from insolvency, almost half of Canadians? Yeah, Canadians are past the point where America was back in 2007 in terms of uh, debt to income. Uh, we're way past that tipping point. So we've known it's a problem, and I think that the stats are just starting to uh, catch up with reality here. Well, you, you know, honestly, it's flowing right through the country in that Bank of Canada had to uh, hold steady on uh, its interest rate policy. In other words, not raising interest rates and basically... Um, uh, uh, telling the market that it will not raise interest rates this year. Yeah, it uh, really makes us more susceptible as Canadians to recession. And if there is a recession in Canada, it's probably self-induced. It won't be from outside sources like the U.S. because they remain relatively robust. But you look at Canadians with the amount of debt that we have, uh, we're right at that tipping point. So hopefully we can skate ourselves back on side. But it seems like the Bank of Canada is on our team right now. They're going to put us on hold. So that's good. But, uh, it, you know, it gives us Canadians the opportunity to actually pay down some of that debt, which I think is important. Well, the Canadian dollar sold off, uh, you know, half a cent. It's now, it's now 74 cents. Um, and again, the old saying uh, occurs, we, we could have a self-induced uh, recession. And at some point, we will have a recession, uh, which is not going to be the end of the world. We will get through that recession. Uh, I can assure you of that. But the old saying was, if America catches a cold, Canada catches a flu. So it, it could be the one-two punch for Canada, uh, America going into recession, plus our own state of financial affairs right, uh, being right. very, very tenuous, i.e. too much debt out there. I also uh, came across another interesting stat actually just today, and it was talking about debt. And uh, in your 40s, uh, you try to pay down debt, obviously, sort of peaks in your 30s when you buy a house and you've got all the expenses of young kids. But uh, for the average Canadian, and most Canadians, believe it or not, actually do own their homes. Mm-hmm. Right, outright. Mm-hmm. Um, the average Canadian actually pays off their house by forty-eight, which is an interesting that stat. I thought it was actually older than that. Forty-eight, 48 years, years old. old, and I was surprised, very surprised. I guarantee you, a lot of those people are immigrants. I guarantee you, a lot of them are new Canadians. I uh, think it's. I think it's also biased based on history too. You're looking back at previous when houses were. Two hundred fifty, four hundred thousand dollars. People buying a hundred thousand dollar homes in sure. Toronto are not paying it off by forty eight. No way. Well, again, you know it's amazing. Again, with our financial planner Mike Bellamy, uh, we had a little fun. And when I bought my first house, Jack, I've said I've shared this with you many times. But when I bought my first house in nineteen ninety, uh, my interest rate was eleven and three quarter percent. I repeat, eleven and three quarter percent. So on a hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage, which I had, sounds small, doesn't it? The interest payments were almost twenty thousand dollars a year. So uh, fast forward to today, if you take a uh, an eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage at what two and a half percent you're paying the equivalent rate of interest and that is what is quite daunting because it works on cash flow but 
you're left with a much larger amount of debt. I had interest rates fall, whereas people, really, rates cannot go any lower from here. Uh, but at but you least, know, so at if least you that payment is actually going towards the principal, pays it down over time, but you still have that massive risk of having a, a balance outstanding on your principal that's significantly larger than you had, which correct. is very daunting, especially if you have rising rates. And that's what exactly what you're talking about with that $200 a day that Canadians really can't afford if, if rates go up. No, we, we, we are too stretched, uh, and, and we have to, therefore, um, mean revert. We have to somehow find means of cutting back. And I go back to, it's not that difficult. You know, the old $5 a day analogy. I know you find it corny, Jack, and it is. But you know something? I think some people need to hear the, the, the point over and over again. If you can just save $5 a day, and if you put it into the S&P 500 index, and it gets near a historical return, even say 80% of its historic return, that probably come in at around 9%. Five bucks a day for 40 years. So if you start at 15, five bucks a day, the S&P 500, uh, uh, age 55, you got yourself almost three quarter of a million dollars. That is what we want Canadians to do, not the opposite of spending to the max, whereby I'm just meeting my creditors each and every week, because what if something happens? And that math even works, even though that we're at the all-time high, I would say, for the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. And the reason why it works for the investor is you get your dollar cost average. You're buying a little bit now, and if the market goes down, which I think a lot of us expect it to do, at least in the short term, you buy a little bit more, but you're still putting that money to work, and time is your friend, and the power of compounding really works with time. That's the important message that you need to get out to Canadians. It's, time is so important. We don't stress this point enough, and it's very difficult. Again, Jack and I are going to be doing some seminars for our clients' kids. Again, Jack and I want to give back. Uh, we want to give you advice. We want to encourage you to give to charity because we want to give back, and uh, so much so that we want to now invite our clients' children into a seminar to learn about financial literacy because they don't teach it in school. And the irony is it's not rocket science. It's basic, straightforward stuff that we as people just don't seem to do. Uh, again, a case in point, point in case, <laughs> wherever the analogy goes, half of us are $200 away from financial insolvency. Uh, that is an issue, obviously, and we want to uh, try to avoid that. Um, look, we got ourselves a very exciting show because uh, I'm going to say we have the animals in the studio. Yeah, I'm the wolf on Bay Street. Uh, Jack is the Wolfman Jack, part of the Jack there. But uh, most importantly, uh, we got a bull and we got a bear uh, in the studio. It's going to get crazy in here. Uh, it's what makes a market. You know, when someone's buying, someone's selling. Uh, someone, you know, the, the buyer thinks it's going to go up, the seller thinks it's going to go down, uh, unless the seller is a forced seller, and that's exactly what took place in the Q4 of 2018, forced selling into the marketplace. I can't stress the importance of this enough. You know, if you're leveraged up, if you own six homes and all of a sudden you lose your tenants and you can't make your mortgage payment, yeah, you could be a forced seller of real estate. You don't hear about that as much, but when it comes to the stock market, people get extended in the stock market. And all of a sudden when the market unravels, they get margin calls and then selling begets more selling. The machines kick in and all of a sudden this great big sale is taking place and no one wants to take advantage of the sale except the astute few. And I would have to say Jack and I uh, did participate in doing some buying in the month of December. Didn't have enough cash around <laughs> to do more buying. We didn't because uh, we, we, we were long. Yeah, uh, you never have enough cash to buy when you get a market crash like you did. But like you said, you, you put some money to work, which was good. And you took advantage of an opportunity. So um, Patrick Serezna has been on the show before, as is uh, Javid Mer uh, Mirza. He's, he's our technician with Canaccord. We're going to bring the bull and the bear Back in the studio uh, on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
man was jumping, the people too high mess around. Yes, they are doing the mess around. You know, I played that for you, my friends, because I um, have a friend of ours named Patrick Ceresna in studio with us, along with uh, Javid Mirza. Javid is Can Accord's technical an- analyst. Uh, Patrick Ceresna is a freelancer. Uh, he's an author. He's a podcaster. Uh, he also offers a, uh, uh, a, a, a an analyst a service uh, called Big Picture Trading, which you can subscribe to, bigpicturetrading.com. Uh, you can learn more about what Patrick does offer. But Patrick, I'll tell you what, what caught my attention last time you were in the studio. You used a very simple word, and I got kids, and maybe that's part of uh, a <laughs> bit of word analogy. I was thinking the word skittles, but you used the word squiggles, uh, trading the squiggles. And you know something I... As I'm getting older, I'm like a, I think like a fine wine. I am actually maturing somewhat and, and mellowing a little bit. Um, you know, like a very complex Bordeaux person or Chateau Neuf de Puff. There's some 30 grape varieties in it. <laughs> I don't drink very much, by the way. Um, yeah, trading the squiggles. Uh, it's very difficult to do because I think uh, you know when people try to trade the squiggles, they are doing the mess around. Because uh, I've seen the statistics come out of retail investing. You, right. You're a bit more institutional focused, means you're trying to deal with the smarter money. Uh, you know, retail, of course, unfortunately, is the the last man uh, on the totem pole. Uh, you know, so those big pension funds, hedge funds, institutional smart money, Ivy boys. You know, that control the billions upon billions of dollars as opposed to our pittance of, of coin. Uh, so that's why I go back to. I think the average investor is much better served buying quality, thinking long term, and listening to our other guest, Java Mirza, who's going to give us a bigger picture view on things. You like to do the mess around, and uh, that's what makes a market. And right. uh, you can successfully do the mess around. I know you can, uh, but it is so difficult because uh, your emotions get in the way of it all. So you were embarrassed when we spoke with you in December. Um, you know, Kevin said we're, we're going to get some kind of a Santa Claus rally. It's going to be fierce. Uh, Santa came late, but he came with a thousand point historic rally. That was a turning point for the Dow. Um, I've heard people call this a bear market rally. Jack and I debate what is a bear market rally? When does it end? Because we're not down 20% anymore, so we're still in a bear market rally. But we're so close to the old highs. How does that make you feel, my little bear? <laughs> well, you know, the bear. I still do believe it's a bear market rally. Um, I'm still in that camp that uh, that's the overall condition. One of the key things that um, when we look at macro and we look at trying to understand the fundamental backdrop, in order for, uh, in my mind, to, there to be a sustained rally on the upside of the market, it needs to be supported on a, on a fundamental basis. And we're not seeing a robust expansion in earnings per share uh, multiples, or it's, it's actually just a multiple expansion is what we're really seeing. Uh, in you the see Microsoft's rally. numbers, Facebook's numbers? Um, on an individual's basis, but you look at the broader S&P, uh, then you're, you're not really seeing that. But with the, with the whole, what's fascinating to me about where we are in the market is this. You have um, really uh, what was a very oversold market, mm-hmm. and everyone was on the wrong you side. You were smiling. You were loving it. Oh, I was loving it. Oh, you and, were loving it. And, and <laughs> it, was, it was great. But then the market was, uh, started this big rally. But we're now at a really interesting crossroad. Yep. The market has reached its previous highs yep. on the market. Mm-hmm. And we're at a situation where um, the, really, the smart money based upon indices such as uh, long, short hedge funds and so on, they're actually down to the one percentile in terms of their beta positioning. Yeah, okay, is, no, sorry, you, you, so the long, short hedge funds, yeah. you called them the smart money. 
Well, they, we, we what, what do you think about that, Jack? Are they smart? Are they smart money? <laughs> no, no, I'm not being. You know, yeah. Bernie Madoff. Yeah, he was smart. Yeah. Maybe I, I think. I think that any trade that gets crowded ends up being not the smart money. And a lot of time you can go against the hedge funds. But I will say this: I do remember back in December uh, with Patrick, and he he made a lot of money in that bear market uh, crash that we had. Um, and you mentioned that you know a lot of that was the rally that we've had is based on multiple expansion. But that crash was really a multiple contraction. So the yeah. earnings went up 25% last year. It was a multiple that contracted even more that created that crash. And what it was, Jack's it was referring very, to, by the very way. very difficult to see. Ja- sorry, yeah, Jack's referring to the PE multiple, the, yeah. the price we pay for a dollar of earnings. So the price-earnings ratio it is a granddaddy of so basic they, ratios that uh, you want to know, you know, as you get become an investor and learn more about investing, and you want to look at a stock specific, the first thing you look at is the PE ratio. Royal Bank, if it makes a dollar a share and you want to pay 15 times for that dollar, the stock will trade at 15 bucks. Uh, if it makes two bucks a share, it's a $30 stock at a 15 multiples sorry but the yeah the, the main point that i was making there is that the you had a multiple contraction then you had a multiple expansion um what was it i guess that what was the trigger point that caused you to get bearish last year that uh, gave you that the tipping point or that the turning point in the market well i mean what, what my analysis always starts macro top down and one of the things that i was really positioned for was that the market uh, was not buying the Fed path, which is essentially uh, they were saying that they were going to keep raising interest rates and the uh, futures market were simply not pricing that in. And uh, w- what we know from macro analysis is that when the Fed eventually stops cutting, uh, raising interest rates, that uh, usually within a several months, there's a, a, the top of a major stock market associated with it. A lot of people here are just saying the Fed is paused and that they will re-resume raising interest rates maybe you know at the end of the year or some uh, future point. They're certainly trying to indicate that. But if, if in fact the Fed is done raising rates, um, then we're looking at a scenario where there's a macro supporting the fact that this is late business cycle. And in fact, we're often bear markets turn around and take hold in these types of conditions. Because that is where you use technical analysis, in my opinion, and, and you use it as a tool. So we look at fundamentals, we look at technicals, and you look at sentiment too, which is included in technicals, I would say. But uh, you use it to really catch those big turning points. Now guys, right? and, then you, and then you get the, the large point of the move or you get the large move after the fact so that's when the fundamentals and technicals line up and i think javid mentioned that to us last time when he was on air he used technicals really to catch those turning points and it's very important i do want to uh, uh, end this segment with uh, technical analysis is looking at charts it's looking at previous prices and we draw these little charts with our crayons in our offices and is something going up <laughs> is it going down that's technical analysis fundamental analysis is looking at the actual income statement balance sheet earnings sales debt, etc. the accounting of the company. Uh, when Patrick speaks about macro, he's speaking about big picture, geopolitical, economic, government policy, you know, the macro 101 economics. We all love that stuff, didn't we? Not. Uh, look, more <laughs> of Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Sing it, sing it, Jack. Come on. You can do it. I don't know, man. I think I'll be singing it up in maybe a Burles Creek somewhere. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. 
It's a show about money, believe it or not. Yep, we're trying to help you, my friends and uh, my fellow Canadians. We're trying to help you become financially independent. Uh, if you have money, you can listen to this show. If you don't have money, please listen to this show. Uh, we're here for both uh, camps. Um, we just had a bear speak, and we're going to hear more of Patrick Ceresna. He's with Big, Big Picture Trading. Uh, he's a blogger. He's also a podcaster, uh, and he's a bear. Uh, he's actually a trader is what he is. He just believes uh, right now he wants to remain in a bearish position because the economy uh, is getting long in the tooth, so to speak. Javed uh, Mirza is a technician. I've known Javed for a number of years. We used to work at one of those big banks down on Bay Street, and then we went to the other side, yes, the side of independence. And, uh, is the grass greener for you over here? Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. yeah. Grass green on the other side of Bay Street, ain't eh? good for you. Uh, well, it's nice and uh, sunny down here in uh, Sugar Beach. Love coming down to the Core Studios to uh, bring you Hi-Fi Radio uh, every Saturday morning. It's an absolute pleasure uh, to be speaking with you. I hope you enjoy the show. And again, if you ever want to get some more information on Jack and I, WolfgangKlein.com. If you have any questions about money management, any questions about the markets, interest rates, any of that good stuff, we're always here to speak with our listeners. We're here for you. Uh, Javid, uh, I went through your package that you presented to uh, Canaccord staff early morning today. Thank you very much. Brilliant package. Um, and it's a very big macro piece. Uh, going back to the word that uh, Patrick used, it, it, it's big, it's broad. Um, and what I like about it is, is it gets rid of the squiggles. No offense, Patrick, but it, it's smoother in thinking. And this, I think, is what retail people should be really paying attention to. Not the noise, because you will get shaken out uh, of good positions. You will buy bad stuff at the wrong time. You'll sell good stuff at the wrong time. You, you have to remain steadfast, uh, my good friends, my listeners of Hi-Fi Radio, in the world of running money, managing money. It's not complicated, uh, so please don't make it complicated. So, again, I, I want you to pay attention to what Javid has to say here because he's got some wonderful, wonderful points. Uh, Javid, let, let's start with uh, interest rates. Um, they are at, at secular lows. So, They've been going lower since 1982. Here we are at 2019, and they almost touched a new low, did they not, this year, Jack, with the 10-year Treasury trading? Was it below 2%? Uh, it didn't get below 2%, but uh, it certainly came down, and we had an inversion of parts of the yield curve, which I think it really shook some people, um, indicating there may be potential recession in the next 12 to 18 months. So yeah, that, yeah, that really got the markets rattled when it happened, and um, we'll see if the recession comes along. But it's it's one of those indicators that you don't want to uh, dismiss. So the three I want, I want you to talk about, Javit, I want you to talk about interest rates, where you think they're going to go over the next 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. if, you, if you can. I want you to speak about commodities. Okay. where you think they're going to go over the next 10, and I'm teeing you up here, over the next 10, 15 years. And I want you to talk then about the stock market because Patrick's nervous. You know, we're 1% away from all-time high. Uh, you know, uh, the end is nigh, my good friends. Uh, tin that, that cans. Is, Wolf, that is the time to be nervous, though, when people are bullish and irrationally exuberant. And, and Warren Buffett says it best, I think, you know. Correct. You know, be cautious when people are, are being, uh, be, you know, be fearful when people are greedy. Exactly. Uh, I, I don't see a lot of greed on Bay Street. But anyway, I, I want to take it over to Javid here. So, so those, those three topics, interest rates, commodities, and the broad stock market. Uh, where, are we, where are we today? Where are we going? Short-term, long-term. Perfect. So let me start with interest rates. Last time I was on your show, sometime last year, I highlighted that we believe we're seeing signs that rates are going higher. And when I'm talking about rates, I'm specifically referring to U.S. 10-year yields. Yeah. So there were three reasons that I saw that suggested the uh, U.S. 10-year yield was bottoming here and moving higher. So yeah. now we're not going to jump higher immediately, but over time, interest rates are going to continue to rise. So we're starting to see the signs of a new secular uptrend. So what the publication we published 
last year, early last year, was the sell of a generation in bonds. So in the early 80s, we saw the buy of a generation in bonds. It was. And now we're seeing the sell of a generation. And I'm just going to quickly flip to equity markets. Our view is we are in a secular bull market in equities that started in 2013. We see upside in the secular bull market into the 2030s. So again, I want to stop right there because again, people don't understand. I know they don't know what the word secular bull market means. Uh, So please describe what secular bull market means. So what it means is the underlying economic conditions are there for growth and expansion. And this is long-term expansion. So we saw this from the 80s to the 2000s. We saw this from the 50s to uh, the late 60s. And we're seeing this now. So we see uh, economic conditions are ripe for growth. And along the way, you're going to get bumps and missteps. Uh, We saw one of those missteps in 2011, the euro crisis. We saw it in 2015, 2016 with the one revaluation. And we just saw it now here in late 2018. Correct. Now, again, I want to jump in right now because this secular bull market basically began, Javid, this long-term bull market that we are in. And Patrick is aware of this. This is what has Patrick nervous. It basically began 10 years ago. It began at the end of the financial crisis. So March 2009, here we are in April 2019, 10 years later. And I would so, say, so, no, okay, but My question is, how can it, why can it continue? 10 years is a long time. Patrick, you know, Patrick makes some sense here. Uh, Javid, why do you think she goes for another 10 years? Just historically, these secular bull markets typically last 20 to 25 years. Bingo. And uh, like I said, everything that we're seeing supports what's going on now in terms of that underlying push higher in equity markets. And the last point I'll leave you with is just on commodities. In the 70s to 80s, we had a secular bear market in equities, and that's effectively a sideways trading range, yep. which means basically you invested in the market and your money went nowhere, uh, excluding right. dividends. We saw the same thing from 2000 to 2010. We had a secular bear market in equities. Equities basically moved sideways, and I'm specifically referring to the S&P 500. And at the same time, we had a secular bull market in commodities. Because this is where it gets interesting. And we as Canadian investors have to pay attention to this because maybe we do got to do the mess around, right? Canada, U.S., U.S., Canada. 100%. And that's exactly what took place. But we have to go to commercial break, pay some bills around here so we can continue to give you Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, You know what's interesting about that song? Gentlemen, uh, Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. 1983 is when that song came out. You know, I say that's interesting because the secular bull market began in what, 1980 or 82? 1982. So the bull market, the great historic bull market, 1982 begins. A year later, people are feeling good. And look at the music that comes out. And there's countless examples of that. Uh, When the music got angry, when grunge music hit the scene, we were near a tech top and... Bye-bye goes the U.S. market. And that's when the commodities kicked in. Um, so, Javit, your next point then is, so the U.S. is now, we're going to start with the U.S. market because they are very different markets. Mm-hmm. The U.S. stock market is very different than the Canadian stock market. We really are, here's a wood, drawers of water. We're a commodity-based nation. And we got further structural problems within our oil market to make 
to compound our woes because oil is doing quite well. Oil, U.S. oil stocks are doing quite well. Canadian oil stocks are getting no love. Um, but when the U.S. goes, Canada does not need to participate. And again, Canadians remember, and I remember, and Jack remembers, when the TSX was above the Dow. And it was above the Dow for umpteen years, historically always below the Dow. But there's a point in time from, 19, from 2000 and what, Javid? 2000 to 2000. 2002 to 2008 or so, the, the TSX played traded above the day. Yeah, and the loonie was above par, which is yeah. his, historically, uh, yeah. So, so everything really likely. is like, because I, I hate commodities. And so you think commodities are going to remain on the med. And Patrick's laughing. That's what that's what Patrick should do. Because when someone hates something, a, a buyer should actually get quite excited. Got to be on the other side of that trade, probably. Uh, the question is turning point. Uh, I like that one on December 26th. That was my turning point. 1,000 doubt points, my little friend. Uh, but I don't see the big turn in commodities here. Uh, you know, copper looks dead on the mat. The softs, you know, I, I, I don't see it. Uh, so speak then to the commodities, uh, uh, Javit. Uh, and by the way, Javit is our technician with Canaccord Genuity. It's a treat to have a technical analyst. There's fewer and fewer of you on the street, which makes you more and more valuable to mm-hmm. uh, guys like Jack and I. So congratulations on that. Thank you. So what I would say on commodities, and this is the same thing we said when we were on the show last year, is secular uh, commodities are in a secular downtrend. And if you take a look at the CRB index, that's just one yeah. indication of that. So you... During the secular bull market, you can divide it into these three to five year phases uh, where you typically have two to three years of upside and then roughly one year, call it, or less than that, call it six months of of downside. And when you start a new cycle, one of these new four-year cycles, you see commodities really respond because they tend to be have been really hammered hard. So we're seeing, especially now in resources, uh, materials, copper stocks, gold stocks, energy stocks over the last couple of months have been really strong. And this is the Sorry, year- have they? Yeah. And this is the year that you want to see uh, that you want you want to be invested in the TSX. So right after this uh, four-year cycle low, which in our view occurred December 24th. But as you get deeper into the cycle, you want to go long uh, U.S. Uh, emerging markets, uh, Asia, in Asia, like Korea and India. And those are the areas of the market you want to be invested in. As we come to the end of the cycle, you want to start moving into energy, which is a late cycle play. So you get all this information from strategists, and it's through no fault of their own on the macro side from the from the top down. And just so you know, from our work, we look at the top down and the bottom up. And that really helps, gives us an advantage because we really see uh, what the stocks are doing. And remember, we rely heavily on the number one analyst of all time. Mr. Market. Mr. Market. Yeah. And so what I would say is, uh, you know, in, in terms of as, uh, asset allocation, this is the year that you can play the, the, the resources, but next year and the year after, you want to be in the U.S. But if you take a look at the longer-term trend, and this is what we've been talking about, and this has been our view since we've been an analyst here over the course of the last seven years, is the TSX is in a long-term downtrend versus the S&P 500. Right. And it's literally because of this weighting in commodities. Yep. And from 2000 to 2010, it was the opposite. Mm-hmm. The TSX outperformed. The loonie was above the dollar. Yep. And you saw oil to 150, gold to 2000. Yep. And we're going to see the same thing in 10 years from now. From and now. that's the time you want to be heavily invested in the Yeah, TSX. so, so again, what, what Java talk, you know, talk about these cycles. The life, nature, it's full of cycles. Short-term cycles, long-term cycles. So which, within a long-term cycle yep. uh, called the secular bull market, yep. which can extend decades, two, two and a half decades, 20 years-ish. 
um, you can have these cyclical moves up and down. Uh, and so what Javid's telling us is the Canadian market really is in a secular downtrend uh, that began in, what, 2009? Well, it, the secular downtrend relative, relative to the, the United, TSX. Correct, that's that's correct, an important point. Relative to the S&P 500. And that can continue for probably another 10 years. Yeah. Uh, flip that around. The U.S. market is in a secular bull market that began in 2009 and can go up to 2029, you believe, with secular or cyclical um, give back, so to speak, which now sets me up for the next part. So Patrick the Bear remains um, grizzly, um, but you think perhaps short term justified Javid? I'm just as grizzly as he is in the short term. Oh so, no, you're not. So that's the point. I think you have to look at it in time frames too, right? I think if you ask Patrick, and we'll ask him right now. So you're bearish right now. Uh, what are you looking for, and and where would you get long? Where, where would you get positive on the market and constructive? Well. I, I believe that we're in some form of a, a, a recession coming up, and not particularly in the U.S., but rather on a global scale. You're seeing uh, an economic slowdown right across the board. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, to support the idea that we're about to have an upturn, you have to look at where the reflation impulse would come in the, in the world, yeah. where, where, and especially even to be bullish on the commodity side. You, to me, you, you have to, uh, like, the, the, just even ex- as an example, the dollar breakout here continues to show the stresses. The U.S. dollar the breakout, The U.S. dollar yeah. bull breakout uh, is continuing to show short-term stresses. To me, uh, we're going through some sort of a slowdown. Whether it actually manifests as a recession is not yet something we know. It may just be an economic slowdown, and it may not actually be a recession. recession. Well, I, I say we're right in the middle of an economic slowdown, especially what yeah. we, relative to what and, we had last year. But the, the difference I don't think is... It, I don't think it's finished playing out. Yeah, the... You know, it's, it's interesting because there's two types of recessions, and we have to be, we often get them mixed up. And again, my average listener, it doesn't really matter what Jack and I brought, what I'm about to say to you, but it, it's interesting to know how it works. Um, a recession is, is two quarters of consecutive economic decline, but we can also get what's called earnings recessions. And and gentlemen, maybe you can help me with the definition of an earnings recession, because uh, an earnings recession is what two quarters of negative earnings growth. Is that what it is, Javid? I believe so. Two, Patrick, two, confirm we, that. Yeah, because we basically just had, or we're in the middle of perhaps the first quarter of negative earnings growth, although not guaranteed. Earnings may actually still be positive year over year, break even. The market was expecting down 3%. So if you had two, there'll be an earnings recession, but that's not a, an economic recession. It doesn't mean you're going to lose your job. It just means that the company's not making as much money. It's not growing its earnings anymore in the previous year. It basically held its own. Uh, look, got to go back to commercial break. Uh, stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio. Learn more about money. You'll be so much richer because of it. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I wonder what the Beatles would have thought of the shared economy of Lyft and of Uber. Hey, I'd like to, uh, you know, if Lyft wants to buy that song to, for commercial, I wonder what uh, the royalties would be on that. That'd be pretty fascinating. Eh? But, uh, you know, I talk about tech because tech has legs. Uh, the global economy is slowing. Patrick, you, you pointed in that direction. Uh, 
the, the numbers agree with you. The facts are the facts. Uh, we're not in recession, but the global economy is slowing. Fortunately, in America, uh, again, it, it, it's 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 kickstart back into gear. The, the the most recent data I've seen out of America is is uptick. Uh, and the point I would make on top of that, Wolf, is that the market really had very low expectations going into this year. In mm-hmm. 2018, yeah. at the beginning of 2018, I mean, I'm, you're, you're speaking earnings. I'm speaking economic data. The economic. I'm just data, talking about price action. The you're, market, talking about the, stock, you're talking about stock. You're talking stock. Pretty item. excited at the beginning of 2018. At the end of 2018, and we talked about it before the multiple contractions. So what people were willing to pay for a dollar of earnings yep. was a lot less. So there was potential for upside surprise, and that's what we're really seeing the first you know three four months of this year. But again, the stock market side, economically speaking, the economy is slowing, but we're not going into recession. Uh, the stock market can act and react to that data accordingly. Uh, the point of the matter is, um, Lyft had no difficulty taking that company public. Uber is coming to market. Uh, Etsy is... No, Etsy's it's been around, around for a while. Etsy's been around. Uh, who's the other one, Jack, coming in? Um, work. Uh, oh, WeWork. WeWork. And what else? What else? Oh, yeah, Pinterest. Oh, there was Pinterest Zoom. came. Yeah. Zoom. Zoom, Zoom, was, Zoom came. Zoom that went was, off yeah, the chart, so it's almost the, like 1999. The, the, the big one's going to be Uber. I'll tell you the one that I'm very, I'm beginning to get interested in is, is this ride-sharing uh, space. I'm getting interested. Valuations comes in. It'll be a very, very interesting space to invest for the longer term. But I want to now go back to um, a slow growth environment. Uh, the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. The NASDAQ is where the tech sit. You know, I think one of the greatest instruments on the, on the planet is the triple Qs. Plain vanilla from the 90s, and it continues to work like a charm. When you get it into a slowing economy, investors want to still find companies that can grow. And uh, you're seeing the likes of the shared economy growing. You're seeing the likes of the cloud growing. Um, ServiceNow up, up with quarterly results. Stock up, what, Jack, 10, 12% this it's up week? About, yeah, 10% on earnings. Facebook generating $15 billion of quarterly ad revenue. $15 billion of quarterly ad revenue. It's off the chart. Microsoft, gross revenue, $31 billion. I think that was up 20 26% year over year. Uh, one of them was uh, Facebook or um, Facebook might have been up 26%. It doesn't matter. Microsoft continued to grow near double digits. For a company that's now a trillion dollars to continue to have such growth. So I continue to like to overweight technology stocks. And I go back to Jav. You mentioned the word emerging markets. And I will tell you, Jack and I are challenged when we, when we leave North America. Every time we leave North America as investors, we do it at the wrong time. Uh, plain and simple. After the fact, after the move, see, once things look good, no offense to the technicians, that's when the charts come in. I see the charts, people point them to me after the move, after the move, after the move. I didn't get the buy charts in December. That's where gut experience, intuition, contrarianism has to play in. You won't see a good chart in December. That's where you have to use your gray matter uh, to get. That's where you can really use sentiment, though, too. And that's when you look at when you look at human behavior. And we we do. I got a pyramid right in front of me. Human behavior is right at the bottom of that pyramid, being the most important thing. If you don't have that mastered as an investor, as a technical analyst, as a fundamental analyst, I don't care how you invest. If you don't have your process down and your human behavior figured out, you're going to cause yourself a lot of problem. And I think technicals. It really, you know, looking at the price, the volume, and the charts. All you're really doing is tracking human behavior how humans have reacted to certain points in the market and you really have to look at sentiment i think at those real extreme bearish points and you can look at them and euphoria too i I also though think that when you look at um what's happening in the market today 
the market breadth continues to narrow and not confirm this rally. And it's, it's a fewer and fewer number of stocks that are actually running it. And it's all the tech. It's, uh, the tech is hot and money as a sentiment is chasing performance. And so you're seeing uh, this narrower, narrow group of these really. Is that true? Is that true, Javid? I thought. Yes, I thought coming, yeah, coming, was out okay. of, coming, yeah, coming out of the crash, there was great market breadth. Everyone yeah. was participating, and, and then it's been, it's narrowing. Very, it's been narrowing and was narrowing in when? the last. I would say the last couple of weeks, anyways. Uh, uh, last month, the um, when you look at something like the number of uh, per stocks above their 50-day uh, moving averages and things like this. You, uh, you're you seeing it narrowing from the peaks that were about in February, March. So yeah, another thing with technology is that, that that space, like Wolfgang said, those companies are still growing in a low growth environment. So I think that's why the money's chasing it. And, and the other point on that is those companies are so large that that's where the passive money is going, right? Know, it's that, forced that's into that trade, which that's right. honestly caused a lot of dislocations that could be a whole other segment in itself. Yeah, no, without so, so this gentleman, I'm gonna go back to now, then your short term calls. Uh, here we are, you know, flirting with the old highs, uh, perhaps a triple top, which Javid says you shouldn't concern yourself with a triple top. So short term, both of you, we'll start with you, Javid. What is in store? We're entering the month of May, Salome may go away, come back when it snows? Yeah, so just so you Can't know. Can't wait for the snow then. <laughs> yeah. You hear that? So let me rewind to October. So in October, uh, we were telling our clients to raise cash, okay, because we saw the same signals that Patrick saw. So we were ahead of the curve. And if you go look up uh, the work I've done on BNN, you can see me on TV in October saying we're going to go to 2450. And we got, that's exactly where we got. I think we got to 2446. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, 2346. Mm-hmm. I said 2350. In December, I was the only analyst on the street who said to buy stocks. And I was two days early. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so we walked through our process based on the four-year cycle. And the thing is, I'm not like Michael Jackson. I'm not like, you know, in, in that thriller, I'm not like one of the other guys. I'm not like Be, a regular. Beat it, man. Beat yeah. it. I'm not, beat a, it. I'm not a regular Won't technical analyst in no. that. I don't, normal technical analysts just follow trend and that's it. But I'm always okay, anticipating so, it's just, it's just so back to, yeah. Sorry, short, back to the short term. Yeah. In January, we said that we've got this rally into May. Over the last two weeks, we've published a lot of pieces saying, it's time to be cautious, and I think we're starting to see that corrective phase now. So, so what's, your, what's your number? How far is the market going to fall 2,800 on the S&P 500. So in the S&P 500 right now is about 2,900. Yep. So Jav, you're calling for a 3% pullback. Yep, it could be more uh, down so I'm gonna to the So I'm going to say to my day. friends, I'm going to say to the listeners, don't play the squiggles, you'll screw it up. Don't do it. Hmm. I, do you think Jack and I can pull that move off, getting out and in for three points? I don't know, but we're going to talk about that during commercial break. More of Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I'm going to share a funny story with you folks. Some of you will appreciate this story. Uh, I left university back in 1988, got a job at CFNY Radio. Uh, Just after I joined CFNY Radio, they did a format flip, and they played that song. 
The phones went off the hook. People said, I am never listening to this. How dare you play Michael Jackson on CFMY Radio? This is the spirit of you. Don't do that. And uh, yeah, it cost the station those listeners, and we picked up other listeners. So please don't tune out to Hi-Fi Radio because I played Michael Jackson for you. No, 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 no. Do not beat it. Uh, Javid, uh, he wanted me to play that song. He's our technician with a can of Corginuity. Uh So... Well, you think beat it for the month of uh, May uh, and get back in after a 3% pullback and party back on? Yeah, that's exactly my view. So I don't know if it's going to be a 5% correction or a 10% correction. Not sure if it's going to be one to two months or three months, but we see the same risk signs that Patrick is seeing here uh, over the intermediate term. Uh, if you no, have- except, so I'm going to interrupt you there. Yeah. Patrick sees recession. Uh, do you yeah. see recession? Uh, I think we might see similar to what we saw in the ni- in 1990, probably two years from now. So we could go through a recession, Ooh. but it's you just... know, again, again I'm going to interrupt you. Again, yep. jab it. Did, did you work in Toronto in 1990? I did. Uh, uh, well, I, my my dad worked. It was, it was he, awful. It was he, awful. My dad lost his job. That's why I'll never forget. It was it. so awful the 90s. Yeah. So few people. That was one of the, that was a, such a tough couple of years. Not in America, so that again was amazing. Pay attention to this, Jack, because you, you the, the bull market was, was pretty strong in America, and it was teetering in Canada. Uh, and that just showed you the commodity exposure and the commodities being out of favor and how we can just drag this country through the mud so much longer than the rest of the world. It took us a long, plus we had uh, Bob Ray as a premier of the province. That didn't help the equation. Uh, oh, that was, I pray we don't go back to, don't, don't, don't you say that word ni- or that number 1990. I'd rather Jack uh, party like it's 1999. You know, well, that's, that's the point out there right now. There's a lot of people that are bearish, and I'd say that there's more people that are negative on the markets, especially the the more institutional type investors. At least in the short term, uh, they're more negative on the market, and you really don't see tops at that point. There has to be a rational exuberance. There has to be, you know, what the market only goes to the sky. There's, you know, the market's not risky anymore. If I hear noise like that and nonsense, at that point, I'll say, you know what? Now it's time to get negative. Chuck, I'm going to agree with you uh, that we're at actually what I feel is a a really big inflection point because a lot of smart money, at least what we've defined as uh, a lot of the hedge funds are uh, very bearish. And this is where actually one of my core themes is that I actually believe we're about to see extreme volatility, but the volatility could actually be both to the upside or the downside. Now, I, w- I, want, I want Javid to speak to that, because again, Javid, that volatility, Jack went yep. through your slide deck with me, is in your work. And again, Patrick, this is interesting, because we really have come through a period, an extended period, you can speak to Javid uh, and Patrick, of low volatility. Believe it or not, yep. folks, aside from the last quarter of 2018, um, it was a really low, slow grind, higher with the stock market. And as such, no party taking place, no flush of cash other than marijuana. And that's, that was a Canadian phenomenon, really. Yeah, it's really been the a hated rally. Frenzy. It has been a hated rally, Jack. Mm-hmm. So um, speak now to volatility, Jack, because you think volatility is going to go up, which makes me nervous. But you also think that that's okay. The market will continue to rise in a rising vol market. And what do you think of that point there, Patrick? Yeah. So I'll, that you know, that's that that's in my slide deck that I'm seeing signs we're seeing higher lows in volatility. It's positive for two reasons. First of all, for active money managers, it's going to give them a chance to participate and make money. So it's good on that side. Traders, you, in other words. Yeah. So yeah. if you take a look back to the 1990s, mid 90s, this is when we first start to start to see this uh, increase in volatility. Yeah. It increased to 2000. Now, the one well, thing you really have to up. do- They didn't have a big ramp up like in 97, it, it, 98. Yeah, but the one thing you really have to do, which is getting me excited, is that, and you, Wolfgang, you can see I'm physically getting excited, yeah. is that this to us confirms that this is the middle stage of the secular bull. 
we've got another 10 years. And when I would be concerned, when I would be concerned that we're seeing a massive top is when your Uber or Lyft driver gives you stock tips. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Eh? What do you think that, Patrick? Well, I disagree, but uh, I, I shoeshine boys are gone. There's no, no more shoeshine boys to lean on. I'm I'm more uh, bearish. I I uh, I believe that uh, we will later this year be retesting the lows that we saw in December. Well, 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 well. And what number is that? Oh, Jeva no, Jeva said it's got that low. Is twenty twenty three fifty twenty three forty seven. So twenty nine hundred S and P to twenty three. You yeah. bear. <laughs> yes, I am. How'd you know? So you bear. <laughs> I've got. Wolfgang, I've got the perfect thing for you right yeah. now. We're going to shake hands. We're going to do a Duke and Duke trading right. places bet. We're going to be on your show later this year, December. I say new all-time highs. He says 23.46. We're wagering a dollar. You got it here yeah. live. Sorry, sorry, hold on. We're already at all-time high. So what? It's got to go up 1% and you win? Or how high does it have to go? You got to give us, you got to at least maybe 5 or 10% above. Well, how about we now. just do it Let's that 3, I'll be wrong? 3,000. Or that he's wrong. Mark, the s and is going through 3,000. Yeah. Yeah, it's going through. You don't think it's going through 3,000? Well, it's 29, 3%, 3% higher? And no, no, there's definitely a risk on the short term. Like we were, like Jack was saying earlier, From there's a lot of people, there's, a, there's this effect that right now a lot of really smart money is not buying into this. If there comes a, an impulse where, or the FOMO, where these, if the fear of missing out kicks in, they could create a liquidity event that could drive the market to 3,000. That can happen. But, uh, but when the actual macro fundamentals come into play, we're heading right back down to the lows of, the, of December. You think we're going down somewhat 20, that'd be what almost twenty five percent to pull back, and you know that'd be a bear market. I, that would be you bear. Well, well we had it in three months last year, so it's not impossible. So as a trade, no, we did because S and P fell nineteen point eight percent. My friend, it did not fall twenty, fell nineteen point eight. You pay attention to those beeps and peeps. It is Hi Fi Radio, my good friends. I want to wish you a great week. I want to thank Javid, uh, our technician. I want to thank Patrick, uh, our bear. I like Patrick; he's a good guy. He's, <laughs> he held up well to the wolf and nipping at his little toes there. <laughs> ruff, ruff. Jack, as always, a treat. Joe, oh, oh, next week, folks, you got to tune into the show. Jack is going solo. Well, he's not. He's going to be working with my friend Rabina Ahmed, uh, freelance broadcaster. Her and Jack without the wolf. It's going to be great. Uh, it's a blind date. I'm I, I, I putting my but Jack's on a broadcasting blind date. He always said to me, Wolf, I don't want to do this broadcasting thing with you. I'm not a broadcaster. I'm not a, right, you're not a broadcaster. Well, we're going to put you to the test next week. So do tune in for Jack's debut with Rabin Alma. It's going to be a great show, I'm sure. I want to wish you a great weekend. I want to thank you very much for listening to the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. <laughs> Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.